When you're in a church that is alive, a church that has great worship, uh, we know people worship in different ways. Uh, all, of, all of the time, it's not just shouting. Uh, we run the aisles here, not all of us. A few of us do. Uh, we praise God in different ways. Some's very loud. Some never gets out of their seat, but they worship God from their heart, just as pure as others. And then also, sometimes people, people they worship God through the tears that they shed and uh, the tears that drip down their face. We have a lot of people that they're crybabies, but they're good crybabies. They're not crying out of complaint, they're crying out of praise to God. And tears are found throughout your Bible. And I'm, I'm going to just give an introduction. I don't know how many sermons that I'll preach on the importance or the value of the tears that we shed, but tears are important. Turn, if you will, to Psalm 126.5. Psalm 126.5. And while you're turning there, let me read you a few other verses. Job 16, verse 20 says, My friends scorn me, but mine eyes poureth out tears unto God. Psalm 6.6 6 says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Psalm 56.8 says, thou tellest my wonderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? But in Psalm 126, five, the Bible says, they that sow in what? Tears. tears shall reap in what? Joy. So tears become the tool that God uses to water the seed to bring about great joy. In the Bible, the word tears are mentioned 36 times in 35 verses. The word cry is mentioned 181 times in 168 verses. The word cries is found one time in the Bible. The word crieth is found 17 times in 17 verses. The word cried is found 199 times in 195 verses. The word weep is found 49 times in 45 verses. We find the word weepeth four times in four verses, weepest three times in three verses, weeping is found 44 times in one verse. Now, if some of you have built a whole doctrinal foundation out of one or two verses, I think it's all right if I look at the word tears in a few sermons to try to give us a better understanding of what tears mean, not only to us, but to God. Because tears are a language that only God understands. Teardrops are funny. They look alike. Someone said they had a dream one time and they envisioned the river of life. And on the river of life, there were two teardrops floating on a leaf. One teardrop they asked, where have you come from? The teardrop simply said, I'm a teardrop from a woman that met the man of her dreams and lost him. They asked the other teardrop, where are you from? She said, the tear said, I'm the one that found him. <laughs> There's a marital ritual of tears in a group of people called the Tujia people in China. That before a wedding, the bridal party meets for 30 days. And for 30 days, they weep every day for 30 days leading up to the wedding. 
Now I tried my best to find out, are they tears of joy or are they tears of sorrow? I don't know why we're like that, but it's, it's, uh, I'm like that. I perform some wedding ceremonies. I used to perform a lot more, but I got somebody younger and smarter, got a better mind. I let him do all of that. And uh, I, I do a lot of the funerals and I don't apologize for that. Someone asked me this week, why do you do so many funerals and not as many weddings? I said, because everybody that I perform the funeral of stays dead. I'm joking, guys. You can laugh. It's not all tears. But they're, they're, they're tears of joy. Why do we go to a wedding and cry? It's not that we're always sorry or that life is going to be horrible. You're, you're excited that your child is moving into a new stage of their life, but yet it's a change in your life at the same time. So all tears are not tears of sorrow. There's also tears of joy. So in this first portion, I wanna to try to give you what I call a definition. So just tears simply define as the best way I can define tears to you from studying from it. The process of crying or shedding tears is called lacrimation. And when we shed those tears, we know from what I read to you today, even in biblical times, back in the times of King David, they would have bottles that would collect those tears. And these uh, lacrimation bottles are found uh, in pyramids in Egypt. Uh, they were used by the Romans. The Romans developed glass, whether you realize that or not. They're attributed that in history. And one of the first things they did when they invented glass was they would make tear bottles and they would gather the tears. It wasn't uncommon for them to gather tears uh, at, at times such as funerals and then bury those tear bottles with those that had died or passed. And, it, and they said of the Egyptian pharaohs that the more tear bottles that they had in their tombs, the more people loved them because the more they loved them, the more they wept for them when that they're gone. We know that in the Victorian age, they resurrected the tear bottles that was used in the Roman Empire and started using it again until finally we see it resurrected in, in the past here in America in the Civil War. You may not know it, but one of the artifacts that people search for and like to have are tear bottles from the Civil War because our nation was at a time of distress and by the way, I feel like we're not too far away from that again. Different issues, but it's the same culprit, hatred. It's always the source of it. And Jesus said in the end times, brother would be turned against brother. And there's a lot of division, but those tear bottles during this time of heartache in our nation Wives would have to, just recently married, would send their husbands out to war and they would gather those tears as they would cry daily because of the separation or cry because of death. Tear bottles today are used for uh, reasons that are really a lot more uh, joyful, if you will. They're used by different groups of people around the world and even in America for things like weddings. Uh, they'll, they'll gather them for birthdays. They'll gather them for religious events in the life where they're tears of joy more than just tears of sorrow. 
But all of them, of course, have the same meaning. They gather them because they must have value. Something causes us to cry. Something causes us to cry. Either it is emotional or it's a reaction or it can be even a physical condition that causes you to cry. Let me look at it in just maybe two or three ways in introduction of this sermon. And uh, the introduction, I assure you, is all I can get out today. First, I want you to think about the chemical composition of tears. It's really the cleansing aspect of tears. Tears are needed because they're needed to cleanse our eyes. There are three basic types of tears. There's what we call basal tears. Basal tears are normal tears that they may not even come out. They may just lubricate your eye. You have to have that to keep your eye from dehydrating. So they're just normal tears. They're there all the time. That's why you can be lying in your bed and for no reason at all, maybe a little bit of water will come out of the corner of your eyes. You're not upset. You're not watching a sad movie. Nothing's happened. It just comes out because of the position of your body where you always have that in your eyes. You need that lubrication. And then there's not only the basal tears, there's what are called reflex tears. Reflex tears are the tears that's used to get irritants out of your eyes. For example, you peel an onion. Your eyes water. What is your eyes water? Because the onion is an irritant to your eye and it's trying to flush that out or wash that out. So it's, it's, a, it's a reflex. Something happens, you get a, a little speck of dust in your eye, your eye begins to water, tears come out trying to flush that out of your eye. Then there's also the comforting aspect or components of our tears, composition of our tears, and that's the crying aspect of our tears. Not only to cleanse our eyes, but also there is the third type that is what we call emotional tears. Emotional tears, they, uh, they come uh, to us because of something that we've been through something that somebody we love is going through. It's a reaction. I, uh, I get so weary of us trying to tell people there's times in their life that you shouldn't cry when really, biblically, you should cry. Now, I know what the Bible says. We do it in reverse. We should weep at birth and we should we should rejoice at death. But God said it would be good if we do that, but God understands we don't do that. We rejoice at birth and we weep at death. We weep at sickness. We weep at suffering. We weep at pain. There are emotional tears. Do you know the emotional tears that you cry, uh, they have a different chemical makeup than the basal tears or the reflex tears. There's actually three different types of proteins that's found or hormone-based uh, that's found in emotional tears that's not in the other type. And one of them, are you ready for this? This amazed me. One of them, your body produces it, but it's a painkiller. Crying sometimes is better than a pill because it will relieve pain. It has that ability 
to relieve that. Now there's a lot of different disorders that can affect crying. There's one disorder that causes a syndrome that causes crocodile tears. That means somebody just cries because they can't help it. And they're known as crocodile tears. There's a dry eye syndrome where someone, uh, their eyes are always irritated because they lack the tears sufficient to keep their eyes lubricated. There's another one that, uh, that the function of it, it's a genetic condition where one's not able to produce tears for emotional crying. Have you heard someone say, I can't cry at a funeral? Or someone say, I've never cried. You know, a lot of times that's genetic. They, they want to cry, their heart is broken, but they can't cry. It's a particular thing that they're dealing with. The emotions are real and they really care, but they simply cannot cry. See, that's what I've watched now in over 40 years of ministry. I've watched us go from crocodile tears to dry tears to people that can't cry at all. They want to, but they can't cry at all. And there's some things that we need to realize that's important why we need tears. Do you know tears help us to see? You wouldn't be able to see if you didn't have tears. Your eye would dehydrate and it would affect your vision to the point that your vision would be terrible because it, it's the lubrication to keep your vision good. Tears, I mentioned earlier, they, uh, they are painkillers, but also do you know that tears kill bacteria? There is a chemical found in tears that it's better than any Clorox wipe. And it's, it's there to try to get the bacteria. It has the power to kill 90 to 95% a bacteria in five to 10 minutes. And it's important that you have that. Tears remove toxins from your body. Things that build up, it'll come out. Just like anything else in your body, a secretion is there to get rid of toxin. Well, tears remove toxins. Do you know that crying can actually, are you ready for this? Actually elevate your mood. It can make you feel better. How many times have you heard, what you need is a good cry. A good cry would help you feel better. And listen, the way we're made up, that's true. Manganese, manganese levels, they decrease when you weep. And manganese elevated is what gives us a lot of anxiety, alters our mood. Too much of it is not good. Tears bring the level back down. So it can actually change your mood. You do need a good cry. That's why it's not just weeping and thinking bad things when it happens. It's that that weeping helps cleanse your emotions and cleanse your soul. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. So we know that while we weep, we sow in tears, we reap in joy because that's the way God made us. So it is also a thing to elevate our mood. Do you know that it lowers stress? Crying can lower stress. And when you see a child get upset, and, or as parents today call it, meltdowns. I don't exactly know what a meltdown, what categorizes a meltdown, but it's the term that's used frequently 
today, but after they have their meltdown and weep, when you can get the crying stopped, a lot of times you'll find out that uh, it'll lower their stress, their mood, they'll feel better. Tears release our feelings because when you, when you have certain feelings, tears is your way of showing that's genuine. It's real. It's part of it. I love the fact that uh, we have people that will come to this church and come to these altars. And it's not uncommon. For those of you that work the altars, you'll agree with me. It's not uncommon when you finish that the railing on the altar, there's teardrops that's there. One of our preachers here in the church that moved away, when he'd come to the altar, I told Candy I used to love to go down after he would come to the altar. A lot of times I just walk down. Uh, you all figure out I do what I want to in here, don't you? This is my domain. But uh, I'd walk down and sometimes I would look on that altar and there would just literally, he would leave a puddle of tears there. It would be a puddle of tears. He's very, very sincere, very genuine. Sometimes I'll deal with families and they're going through difficult times and they'll say to me, preacher, I just can't stop crying. You don't have to apologize for that. That's your way of releasing your feelings. And that's as much needed as shouting in our life because it keeps balance in our life. You can't escape the fact that sometimes you, you shed those tears because it's your way of releasing the feelings that you have. Really, it, uh, crying, it's a way to get the devil out too before he wreaks havoc. Because if we keep certain things bottled in, it'll grow and it'll get worse. I talked to someone the other day and they said, I'm, I'm becoming a different person because I'm holding too much in. And that's not good. And you don't have to hold that in. And it's perfectly fine to weep. We've got some time, there's been services in this church where the only thing that you could hear across the sanctuary is people weeping before God. And it's okay to weep. In your Bible, men cried 77 times. We read where women were crying some 46 times in your Bible. And I'm gonna deal with some of the tears that they had in the next sermon. There's times for churches to rejoice and there's time for churches to weep. For example, when you have loved ones that are lost, your tears for them are more powerful than any sermon I'll ever preach. A, uh, a, a friend of mine had called me into a church and I asked if it was okay to share this. I assured him I wouldn't share his name. Called me into his church and he said, while you're there, I, I want you to watch and see if God speaks to your heart about anything that maybe could help, help our church see people come to the Lord or grow not just for numbers, but for Christ's sake. 
So at the end of the meeting, he, we went out, uh, got a cup of coffee, we're talking. And he said, did you see anything? I said, oh yeah, I did. I did, it's very obvious. It is? Oh yeah, it's very obvious. And he said, what is it? And I said, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Why don't you want to tell me? I want to keep you as my friend. Because you're not going to like what I tell you. And he said, no, I want to know. I'm serious. I want to know. And I said, well, you asked for it. I said, every night, there'd be two or three little kids come up, pull on your coattail, try to get your attention. And not one time did you ever have time for them. Not once. And I said, and that, he had a handkerchief he kept in his pocket with gold engraved letters on it. I said, until you start getting that gold engraved handkerchief out and wiping snotty noses of little kids, your church will not grow. Until you take time to hear what people's going through. We don't all know what everybody's going through here in this church this morning. We don't know the pain that people have in their body. We don't know the sorrow that's in their life. We don't know the heartache. But I know a God that cares about your tears. I didn't rest well last night. I'm not saying that for pity. I didn't rest well last night at all. Not because it was a typical Saturday night of me searching the will of God for what he wanted today in the service and not picking a sermon, wanting to preach the right sermon. But uh, when, when I got the call from Russ and Katie yesterday uh, about Katie's brother, he grew up in this church. He's been through a lot in his life, really a lot. And uh, I know maybe some of the other families here today, I got back to Ed and Sandy there. Uh, the Didway family needs a lot of prayer. Uh, yesterday, young, a young man. And they called and said, it's not good preacher. It's not good at all. And then just a few minutes later, before the prayer chain call got around to everybody, his dad, Jeff, texted me back and said, he's in heaven, preacher. We have texted back and forth ever since uh, they lost one of their babies, the other baby survived. And uh, this church was so kind to them, so kind to them. But Josh grew up in this church and I know he's with the Lord. And I don't know why I cry when people's with the Lord. They're better off. Sometimes people go through things and they just need somebody to cry with them. The Lord cares about what you're going through today. And as a church, we can never cease to care about others and what they're going through. I don't know what'll happen 
to you, to me, to any other family this week in this church. But I hope I'll not only be able to shout with you while we're in church, I pray I'll be able to cry with you when you're in sorrow. And the day any of us get to the place that we can't weep for others, it's the day we need to reevaluate our life. So today, some of you aren't even able to get to an altar. You're physically not able to get to an altar. You're not able to get out of your seat and come and find a place to pray. You may just need to turn to somebody sitting beside of you and say, man, I'm going through it. I need, I need some, some prayer. I talked to a preacher friend of mine, Kenny and I was on the road one day this weekend. He called. After we finished talking, she said, what did, what did he want? She just heard part of the conversation. I started to cry and she said, what is it? And I said, sure as I'm here, that's a call from a friend that said my crossing time is near. He knows something, Candy. He's going home. You can tell with people. I don't know the day, I don't know the hour, and you don't either. But sometimes I think God allows people to know their days are getting shorter. And everything that they possibly can do, they want to do, not to get into heaven, but to make sure they finished every task that God gave them while they were here. That's what we ought to want to do.